IT security practitioners more than ever recognize the threat posed by insiders. Three quarters of the respondents to a survey conducted for the SANS Institute say they're mostly concerned about negligent or malicious employees who might be insider threats. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security and FBI agree that insider threats have increased and that such threats pose a serious risk. Scott Weber is Managing Director at the risk management firm Stroh's Friedberg, and he sees a shift occurring within many enterprises from an almost exclusive focus on the threat from without to the danger from within. The focus has really been on outsiders for the last decade plus. How do you keep the bad guys out of your networks? But the fact of the matter is the people who are in your company have access, there's a trust there, they know where the crown jewels are. We're starting to see more and more inquiries from boards and C-suite executives asking what are we doing on the insider threat front because they realize it's now part of the duty of care and duty of loyalty they owe to their shareholders. But there's also an aspect of we want to protect our employees, we want to protect the brand, we want to protect the organization. Folks who are in the best position to do the most harm are the ones who are inside the organization because they know where that proprietary information is, they're allowed to be inside. As opposed to being an outsider, you have to break in and you have to fish around and try and find out where the good information is. And even then there's a limit to how much you can do with that information. How bad is the insider threat? My colleague Marianne Kolbesak-McGee spoke with Experian Data Breach Resolution Vice President Michael Bremer. The number of breaches that have employee negligence, whether it's a true malicious insider or it's just general employee negligence, 80% of the breaches in 2015 have in fact been a cause of employee negligence. And I don't think that's going to change in the healthcare field as well as in other fields. And when you say employee negligence, do you mean accidental sorts of incidents or how about malicious sorts of things? It's both. Unfortunately, people doing stupid stuff, as I say, is the largest cause. It's as simple as putting a non-production server into production, not turning on a malware or firewall detection, or as simple as the old lost laptop or lost USB key. Not all insiders present a threat, and in developing a program to mitigate the insider threat, organizations must identify those who pose a threat, as well as identify the information, if stolen or manipulated, would put the enterprise at risk. Randy Trezak leads insider threat research at Carnegie Mellon University's CERT program. Your insider threat program should be focused on who are the individuals that can pose a threat to your critical assets. That is not everybody in all organizations. To build an effective program, it needs to start by identifying critical assets and then who has authorized access to those assets and then could they threaten it from a malicious standpoint or a non-malicious or an accidental standpoint. In identifying the suspected insider, don't think of just employees. Chris Bowen is Chief Privacy and Security Officer at the security firm Clear Data. I think it's important that they consider their vendors part of that insider pool of, of workforce, if you will. So, for example, the insider may have access to a certain system. We know that from the target breach, for example, we know that they had a vendor with an issue with, uh, with credentials. We understand that these folks may not have a holistic security program either. Really understanding system activities uh, that are going on within the network, helping to understand how the, the vendors are accessing data, and really looking at and reviewing what's going on within your environment can help you detect insider misuse uh, errors and things like that. 
One way to help mitigate the insider threat is for enterprises to employ machine learning systems. Those systems model human behavior by applying algorithms to data sets to predict what's going to happen in the future to that data. Robert Lighthouser is chief software architect for the artificial intelligence software firm Authentic Intelligence, and he says machine learning systems can record the actions of insiders on a network, creating a model of normal activity and then looking for anomalies that suggest illicit activity. A big part of machine learning is training the model. By training the model, what you're doing is you're creating data that may not actually be real data that really is happening, but data that could have happened. You might create a scenario where a person that normally only looks at a few claim records on, his, on a website inside the organization all of a sudden is downloading a million records into Excel putting into a file, encrypting it, and emailing outside the network. That's a pretty obvious case of a data breach, right? There are developers that will leave usernames and passwords for databases lying around, and the savvy user could potentially look at a file, connect as another user, download all that data, put it into a spreadsheet, and potentially encrypt it and use encryption against the network because by encrypting it, nobody can see what the data is and then actually email that data outside the organization. Lighthizer says analytics alone aren't enough, especially if the data aren't examined until after the insider breach. Processes, he says, must be created to flag the anomalous behavior immediately. It only takes a couple of minutes to download several million records with PII and PHI. So obviously, unless you can be looking at these systems in real time, you're not going to be able to stop something even if you've detected that it's happened. Carnegie Mellon search Trezac helps us visualize an anomaly detection system. If an individual tries to print a certain number of documents, over time they will have a general usage level or a printing level. You know, if there are times when we see spikes, well, those could just truly be anomalous. That might be the end of a fiscal year when we're trying to close the books at the end of the year. There also could be key times when, for example, someone's trying to print something before going on foreign travel and they're trying to take something with them to exfiltrate data out of the organization. Now, those are the extremes, but at the core of what you're trying to do is to develop an anomaly detection system that allows an individual to be identified as this is what's considered normal behavior for the individual and try to identify what those anomalies might look like over time. Among the latest automated systems to help detect the insider threat are those that analyze the emotions and language of users, so-called sentiment and linguistic analysis. So sentiment analysis would be if you have the ability to take a look at the content of email, the way people write email messages. Are there things written in email messages that might indicate someone has a more propensity to be a spy against an organization or being able to commit some type of fraudulent activity because they're motivated by financial gain? So there are tools and technologies that do sentiment analysis that actually count words, the number of words you use, the type of words you use, and that may provide some organizations some context of who may be more likely to be doing something maliciously against an organization. The way today's enterprises function makes these sentiment and linguistic systems more critical in identifying the insider threat. Here's Stroh's Freeberg's Scott Weber. Email, uh, instant messaging, chat, a Bloomberg chat become more important over time because that's how we interact more with our coworkers. It's less face-to-face. -face. It's more electronic communications because companies, employees are spread out. A lot of people work remotely and we've all become addicted to our iPhones and our Samsungs and it's a lot easier and quicker to fire off an electronic communication than it is to set up the meeting and sit down and talk face-to-face.
In analyzing electronic communications for sentiment, linguistics, and anomalous behaviors, Weber says Stroh's Freeberg looks at 60 different types of psychological measurements. It's everything from disgruntlement to victimization, financial stress. If you could have a model employee for the last two years, and now some stressors enter into your life, they could be personal, they could be professional. We see a lot of supervisor-supervisee conflict or coworker conflict, and now your psychological makeup is going to change. So certain of your scores, your mean scores are, are, are going to rise. So your, uh, your victimization scores will go on the rise. Your disgruntlement scores will go on the rise. If you're experiencing financial stress, there's certain indicators for that. And you'll see that once those scores change in a statistically significant way, you're now identified as being potentially at risk and security professionals can go and take a look at some of the other tools they're using. So have you been accessing, trying to access data you don't have the privileges or the rights to access? Have you been changing or building access in a way that's a little bit strange? Let's say you typically swipe in between 8.45 and 9 every day and you swipe out between 5.45 and 6 every day. That's been your pattern for the last two years. And now a month and a half ago, you started swiping in and out four times and now you're six times a day. So it's a way to sort of bring all the different data points together and get a fuller picture of the individual. And to merge all those data points to identify the insider threat, cooperation must exist among various components of the enterprise, IT, information security, human resources, legal, and when relevant, compliance. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro.